All right. Today we have Scott Taggart as our guest on the Scooter Cannonball podcast. Scott rode in the 2018 Scooter Cannonball, finished first place. It was his first Scooter Cannonball, he rode a 2008 MP3. I think you registered relatively late or close to the start of the event. So you kind of showed up solo on your own um, with, with kind of an intensity to win. And uh, you certainly did. Uh, you won four of the 10 days. Overall, you won by 94 points with a raw time of 69 hours and 11 minutes coast to coast. Your uh, second place finisher, David Dennis, rode a 2009 BV250, so you were on kind of similar bikes, uh, and he had a time of uh, 70 hours, nine minutes. You guys were about an hour apart over 10 days, and that 94 points was kind of the difference of missing two checkpoints. The uh, third place finisher in 2018, Walt uh, Fly Guy, took third place. There was an 81 point difference on the segment times, and uh, the three of you were shuffling around on the podium each day. Uh, I think you crashed into a deer. Uh, David Dennis was leaking gear oil and had to refill uh, or top off at every fuel stop. And uh, I remember Walt going kind of head over heels into a uh, into a cornfield in Mississippi. The three of you in 2018 really battled it out to the end. In 2021, you returned on the 2014 Honda Forza 300 and finished sixth place with your wife, Julie, riding a 2016 Yamaha S-Max. You both had the top two raw time finishes. Julie's raw time was... 86 hours, 20 minutes coast to coast, and you were about 17 minutes behind her. So you guys in 2021 uh, rode as a very uh, well-oiled team, I thought, not without maybe some errors or miscalculations, but it was really uh, 10 days of excellent execution and uh, very well-planned ride, I thought. So uh, before we launch into this conversation, wherever that may go, I have kind of two questions and uh, maybe short answers. One of the most common questions I feel like I get as an organizer of the event is, you know, who the, who the hell are these people and, you know, who who's doing this and who is riding? Maybe the first question is just, you know, off the bike, ignoring all things, two wheels, briefly, you know, what's your story, sort of age, sex, location, career, or who are you? Well, geez, off the bike, I, I'm going to collapse into a singularity then. I, there's just nothing left. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a senior citizen now, almost 66. I'm on Medicare. So, geez, I'm an old guy. Uh, I'm a software engineer by profession, um, California native. Uh, I'm obviously a male since you asked me for sex. And um, when you talk about uh, leaking lubricants and a well-oiled machine, we, we leave our personal uh, lubricants out of this discussion. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I live in Roseville, California, which is near Sacramento. Um, lived in California all my life. have a couple kids and Julie, my basically lifelong partner, I met her when I was a little over 20 and she was uh, a little under 20. Let's just leave it at that. Um, and we've been together ever since. And we've always pretty much done some form of two wheels together. Uh, I had two wheel. Well, you wanted to keep it short. I had a little bit of two wheel. Um, that was my next question. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, did, yeah. Okay. Scooter well, or non-scooter. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both, uh, the classical, you know, started on the mini bike and all that stuff when I was, you know, in the womb. But more like eight years old, started with a homemade mini bike, which was a piece of garbage, but, you know, learned something about mechanics and then rode illegal dirt bikes all through uh, <clears throat> until high school and, um, you know, riding them on the street to get to the dirt in Palo Alto, California, um, that kind of thing. And then uh, high school roads, street bikes, but, but never sushi rockets, never a racer type guy, just mostly enjoyed riding them and tinkering with them. 
and then kind of got out of it after about 20, maybe early 20s. And then, um, I don't know, a few years into after meeting Julie, she, she, it turns out that's how we met was on motorcycles. Uh, we were at a re- reunion thing for a trip that we had met on. And uh, she said, Hey, you have a motorcycle. And yes, I do. And it, it, the romance was based on motorcycles. I think I, she probably wouldn't go out with me if I didn't have one. Um, so, uh, a few years into our relationship, she one day announced, hey, I want to go to the Omaha sh- shop and buy a YZ80, which is a little teeny two-stroke at the time. This is mid-80s. And then we started from there. I ended up getting a bike like the next day. And we did a lot of Enduros in California, which are off-road. You know, they're not flat-out racing, but they're a form of time-based racing, Some somewhat like a a rally or I wouldn't say it's like the cannonball, but there's time involved and speeds involved. And so there's a lot of thinking on the bike, which actually makes it a lot of fun instead of just being a throttle jockey. Um, and then we had kids. So we dropped, I dropped riding for 25 years. Julie continued to ride uh, all that time, basically commuting. And part of my official talk was going to be that um, I asked her, she's got like 110,000 miles of riding to work and pleasure riding on mostly on scooters. So I, I didn't even know it was that big of a number, but, um, oh. so two wheels. Yeah. And, and she's also, she did the Enduros. Um, she's kind of a small, well, I, smaller female, you know, five, one ish, pretty lightweight. So she always struggled with the height of the bikes and managing them off road. Uh, so it was, it was really tough for her, but, um, that did give her, a lot of good riding experience just generically. And then also for cannonball, because there's a decent amount of dirt on machines that aren't meant for dirt. So she had that natural balance and, and ability to, to go when she needed to. So for 2021, um, you declared that you were riding as a tourist and many said that it was deceiving, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when we were together yeah many name name those <laughs> you, many please you're yeah. not without your controversies for sure but you yeah. explained to me in, in bar harbor and i really wasn't you know kind of transparency aware of you know I, you said you were a tourist and you know yeah. i kind of took it you know half you know half seriously <laughs> but you explained yeah. your strategy to me in bar harbor um for how the two of you were going to um yep. ride and you you compared it to cycling and uh Yes. Could you recap that a little bit? Yeah. So actually this, this discussion of 2018 is a perfect segue into, I'm going to try to tell three little stories today. And uh, so uh, as you mentioned, I, I came into 2018, not knowing anything about Scooter Cannonball at all. I, I just found it on the internet and just being an adventurous person said, Hey, that just sounded like so much fun. And as I got more into it, you know, I, I just bought a scooter that I thought would be reliable. I knew the MP3s were tanks and didn't understand that it was probably one of probably one of the worst handicapped scooters you could get. And I didn't come into 2018 with any intent to win anything. I just literally wanted to do the 10 day adventure, but 
at the same time as a side effect, I wanted to do the best I could just with whatever I had ability of thinking and writing. Um, but, but no illusions to, to doing well. Um, I knew I was a good navigator, but I had no idea how much that meant in the event. And, um, so, uh, when I was riding 2018, I sort of reverse figured out, oh, here's what it takes to do well. You need a scooter that basically you need to keep the throttle open all the time because that would give you the best chance of your machine doing well. And that meant that the smaller the scooter, uh, the better, you know, and obviously the handicaps reflect that. So I'd be riding along thinking, hey, I'm only going 50 and my scooter's not wide open. So I'm losing time against somebody who's wide open, like, uh, uh, like Da Vinci or somebody, because he was on a 110. So I sort of reverse engineered in my mind that, hey, a smaller scooter, a lighter rider, keeping the throttle open and not making mistakes is, I mean, that might seem obvious, but when you tell that to people to this day, they, they still don't understand that why a 250 is harder to win than a 150. Um, so, uh, I and then it was really obvious to me on 2018 in 2018 that the S Max was some kind of magic machine because it kind of broke the handicap in the sense that it was very fast for its displacement and yet it was going to be reliable and you know it was just this sort of sweet spot of of machines um, short of riding an you know a 1960 scooter to give you a really great handicap the S Max seemed to fit a lot of bills. So as I was coming home from 2018, I was just enjoying the the joy of having done the event and thinking, okay, I'm going to talk my wife into this deal. And um, so I said, okay, uh, I'll convince her to do it. I'll get her an S-Max. And then what's the best possible way she could do well on an S-Max? Well, that would be if if I carried everything. Like I would just haul, I'd be the mule and in yep. cycling, they call that do the domestique, which is the domestique sacrifices all for the for the best rider. And um, so I was the domestique. I carried tools, fuel. I did all the navigation. I did everything. And Julie had to sit there and look pretty, uh, which she does well and and ride well, too, of course. Yeah. But she couldn't make mistakes. But it uh, so the idea was that I would make it so that the scooter and her had the best advantage possible if she could ride cleanly. And so that was the plan. That's why I got a bigger scooter than hers so that I could carry, you know, my extra weight, fat ass and tools and gas and still keep up with her because I knew the S-Max was, was pretty fast anyway. So um, that was the idea. I came home in 2018. She, she hemmed and hawed and said, okay. And um, so we went out right away bought an S Max and just started planning to ride 2020, which of course uh the the virus postponed. But that was the idea, kind of hatched 20 2018 into what's the best way to have her have fun, because I knew she'd have fun. Now going in into 2021, honestly, I had absolutely zero clue as to how she'd do. Uh, we talked about it and um I just had no idea how her riding her pace because she's not you know she's not a road racer and some of her times reflect that uh like day 10 in the really windy pavement she just doesn't want to ride at the top speed of the s max which means again she's doing 
poorer than somebody on the same machine who would want to ride faster. So um, after the first day, it was like, whoa, this is this is a wake up call. She was, I don't know, an hour ahead or something. It was shocking. So um, anyway, so the idea of 2021 was I would literally follow her every single mile. I would be her shadow and help her navigate and make decisions. And she just needed to get the bike across the line. Um, and that's what we did. And some of my stories will relate to how that didn't go as planned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the rider feedback on that, you know, we frequently had questions, you know, throughout the events and, hey, this isn't necessarily fair. And it's certainly allowed in, in the rules. I, and I was, you know, very interested and curious how it was going to play out, um, kind of knowing your personality and, you know, how you approach the ride in general and, you know, the, all the conversations that we have on the message board leading up to the event. Um, and, uh, you know, there were, there were a few days where we were, you know, riding together on and off and you had different, you know, navigation shortcuts than myself. I mean, we found, uh, you know, between yourself and, uh, you know, Julie and Doug, we, we went, maybe five different ways across Ohio. I, I have to say, I still, to this minute, am just laughing about how those shortcuts play out in real time. Um, yeah. We had one that Julie had a few nemesis female riders who, you know, I won't go into names or anything, but we ended up behind a couple of riders on day nine and they knew we were behind them. And we roll up to the hotel and we were five to seven minutes ahead of them. And it was because of one shortcut. And I yep. tell you, it's, it, I don't know why I don't mean to be mean, but it is funny to have a plan that sort of works out and you get a chuckle out of it. <laughs> so what, a couple points, a couple points to the, the, you know, the other people sort of commenting on fairness and stuff. My, my idea on that was, a lot of people have full-time support vehicles following yeah. them. And so in a way, uh, and they have radios and phones and everything. So in a way, the only difference in that uh, is that I'm on two wheels instead of four. But um, there, you know, in 18, there was support trucks with some of the, I think with at least, I think Fly Guy or one of them had a, a truck carrying gas and everything. So, you know, I agree. If I was a solo, solo and it would be like, Hey, that's, they, they have an advantage, but at the same time you can en enlist other riders to help you too. Oh, well, I mean, another rider who wants to, you know, carry gas for you. That's, there's no rules against it. Um, yeah. that, that I know of, uh, another thing that came up was people were hinting at in 2021 that, well, Julie couldn't possibly have ridden that fast because a, I'm a good rider or B it's just not possible to get from these two points in that time. And, so from then on, I said, oh, I, I started thinking, well, how do they think she actually got there? Uh, you know, and I'm thinking, well, maybe people think we had a U-Haul truck and we were hauling her bike. I just, you know, whatever. And there yeah. was this third. Anyway, so uh, I started taking pictures of her at every single um, thing with me and her in the background. So it was like, well, OK, short of Photoshopping, you know, we were both there. So. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add in the show notes at the end of the event, we, we merged up all of our GPS, um, files yeah. with, with the, the logs and the tracks and, um, on one of the websites and you can overlay and yeah. it's real interactive. I mean, there's no, yeah, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's all there. 
Well, you know, it, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, if somebody's really paranoid, they would think, okay, I carried her phone and her GPS. But actually, if you look at the GPS, you can see they're they're out of sync too. Yeah. So that'd be quite a trick. I anyway. So yeah. enough of that. I mean, I would <laughs> encourage listeners uh, to go go ride well and get a partner if they can who wants to help them. Yeah. And looking ahead to 2023, you know, there's no anticipation here to change the rules to, um, you know, prohibit yeah. what you did. You know, if you're it, it's it's very hard to to pull that off, I think, for you know, as a solo rider to pull off the event in 10 days and win, um, it takes, you know, it, yeah. it, you have to do really well. And now you're going to add an, you know, another person into that. You know, that's yes. You, you yes. Have to, and, yeah. and, and you're adding the potential unreliability of another scooter yep. um, as the domestique. Uh, and yeah, and some of my anecdotes here later will cover the fact that we got, uh, you know, separated and then we had to deal with that confusion too. Um, a uh, real quick question is, you know, I know you're not talking about changing the rules, but uh, in a lot of bike racing, uh, early mountain bike racing, uh, they said, or in, I guess it was, uh, in, um, uh, the, uh, the Ironman things, they would say, oh, the bikes can't draft each other. Well, the problem with fooling with rules like that is then you have uh, to enforce it. And that meant that they had all these vehicles out there trying to make sure that nobody followed somebody seven feet behind. And so you end up with these weird problems if you try to enforce things that, you know, are are strange like that. So, yeah, that riders, that's, yeah, that's the thing with a lot of the rules. You know, people will come and say, oh, you should do this, you should that. And it's like, how are we, you know, either yeah. going to enforce it or just as a an event that's, you know, traveling city to city each day with you, whether it's by bike right. or, you know, car or van. It, it, you know, we, we don't have the event staff to to even to even do a lot of the uh, the uh, the things that people would like to see, the formalities and, and whatnot wrapped into the event, at least, you know, as it's structured today and, you know, the entrance fees and everything are you know, relatively low compared to other uh, events of its duration. So uh, and the it's, more, it's just unrealistic. The more official you get, the more it, it's not free, free form and fun and low key. And then you get liability and yeah. people expect things for their thousand dollar entry fee that they don't expect for their hundred dollar entry fee. And, and yeah, so keep it, keep it crazy, keep it open, keep it loose. And, you know, when you think about it, actually having teams get together or groups of people to try to help each other, uh, formally or informally is actually kind of exciting in, in a way. Um, so we see that already, but th those groups tend to not try to be competitive. Uh, but still, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I know in the past there was factory sponsored teams with catheter condoms and everything. That's, that's <laughs> over the top for me. <laughs> All right. So you, you want me to tell you a few, a few yeah, stories? Yeah. Let's yes. get into it. You're just, you're just, as you know, you're just scratching the surface of Scott Taggart. If you meet me in, in public, uh, the rules yes. are, uh, yes. I'll uh, never well, forget meeting you yeah. for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did predict before 2018 that I was the sleeper to watch. Yes. Yeah. You can <laughs> yeah, tell. So, yeah. So um, I'm going to tell you guys a few stories. Uh, and they're not even remotely related to one another in terms of their idea, but they just... Uh, struck me as kind of interesting. So one one is a concept I call time dilation, which is where when you're kind of in the heat of the moment, uh, your sense of time gets messed up. And especially, you know, we were riding competitively, Julie and I, and you know, we're we're thinking about every minute, every turn, every bump, everything, and and you know, every screw up, 
you know, cussing at each other in the intercoms and stuff. So, um, or I'm cussing at myself mostly. So when we, I, I don't remember the day, you probably remember it, uh, Dave, it might've been day one, but um, we had another rider who was tracking us up, who will go nameless, who decided to hook on with us and, and ride with us, um, like literally 10 feet behind Julie, yeah. which I was kind of uncomfortable with. But that said, um, that rider, we were in some real windy stuff and, and um, that rider overshot a turn behind Julie. And I saw in the mirror that he did that. So Julie and I turned around and went and fortunately he was okay. His scooter was a little banged up and we kind of helped him and guided him out of a ditch and fooled around there a little bit. And when we got to the end of that day, we said, you know, Hey, we helped the rider and we should get some credit for that if we could. And Julie and I swore up and down to you guys that it was at least 10 minutes that we were there, at least 10, probably 15 or more. And uh, so, you know, you guys gave us 10 minutes credit and not that we ever needed it, but we didn't know. So when we find when I finally got back home, I looked at the GPX files that you've mentioned before, and I actually, you know, measured the time from when I went backwards to when the time I went forward was from that accident. And it turned out it was like seven minutes. And I would have taken a big bet that, you know, that seven minutes was really 15. And so it shows how I know you talked about riders before coming in and saying, hey, I don't have any pictures, but I was there 20 minutes. And so yeah. it's kind of an interesting thing that happens to us when we're out there and we're excited and things are happening. We lose we lose a sense of proportion and time. So. Yeah, we had it's that with a, with a lot of riders this year that would, in kind of two, maybe two categories, they, you know, they'd come to the score table and, you know, hey, I, you know, I stopped and I helped, you know, we had uh, uh, Lou, or not Lou, um, the the gentleman, Corny, Ken Corn from Florida, who crashed on, you know, the, the first day, went down, they, you know, they had to call an ambulance, um, it was very close to a checkpoint or a bonus, so, you know, everyone was kind of passing through there, you know, and we ended up with, you know, a dozen riders who were raising their hand you know, for, for a time credit. And, you know, the rules are a little, the extent of the, aid, and I don't have the rule in front of me, but the, the extent of the aid that you're expected to provide is, you know, helping them make, and this is for a rider, anyone in the general public that, you know, you come across, you know, an accident and they're alone on the side of the road, whatever it may be, um, to, you know, assisting them with making contact with, you know, support or, you know, some sort of, you know, emergency services. Um, and we had a lot of people, you know, with, you know, but Pam was one of them. Um, this isn't really a secret. You know, she was having, you know, electrical issues and a variety of problems throughout the event. And um, we would end up with a line of people that are saying, hey, I, I helped Pam. Well, well, did you or did you watch somebody else help Pam? You know, and what was that period of time? Um, you know, we had people that said they helped stop and, and stayed with Ken for two hours. Um, and then we look at their, their photos, you know, for the next leg and it's like, well, did you really go 176 miles an hour? Because it wasn't yeah. two hours. It was, you know, let's back into, you know, we see that on our end, you know, when we enter in the times, you know, it, it highlights and flags, you know, inconsistencies, you know, in, in, in their sure. performance and writing. But it, it was, it was a, a problem enough that we'll, we'll, we'll see additional footnotes <laughs> in the rules for, you know, 2023 clarifying you know, the expectation, you know, for rendering help and it, it, by all means, you know, if, if you want to stay and, and watch or you may be helpful, 
you know, that, that's on you and you're choosing to, you know, kind of take that time hit. Um, you know, and, and certainly if there's a situation where, you know, multiple people are needed to, uh, you know, to, to do whatever's, you know, necessary under the circumstances, you know, then, then that credit would be awarded. But this year we had a, a lot of people that were exaggerating times. I, and I, to your point, I don't think it was intentional, but you, yeah. you, you really yeah. lose track of that. And it, I had it a few times I had to stop and make contact with our, uh, you know, Stevie driving the support van or Craig on the support truck. And uh, I would I would have swore I talked to him for 15 minutes. My phone log, you know, it was, it was a three and a half minute phone call. So, yeah, everyone yeah. has it. Yeah. You know, and and to your point about people stopping and rendering aid, I guess that's a very nebulous term and, you know, versus offering moral support. So, like you say, if that could be clarified, because I, you know, and I, you know me, I I don't intentionally break the rules, but I sure break a lot of them. And certainly in 18 with my photo. Yeah. abilities but like i didn't take photos of of the the rider down thing and i thought well you know even if you didn't want to give us the time it would be okay but i it would be nice if i took photos and time stamped it then it would have proven to me and you the actual time but in retrospect that's not the first thing on my mind you know when no. a rider's in a ditch and potentially hurt you uh you know your thought is get over there help them and then okay, he's okay, let me get back on the road. And the last thing is like, oh, let me take pictures before and after of the yeah. carnage. So that's yeah. that's a real challenge for us riders. Yeah, and the rules do actually, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the event, call that out. You know, you're not expected to take the photo, uh, you know, before, you know, assisting the rider, you know, for that purpose. It's, I think it even says, you know, when, when an opportunity arises, you know, once you've, you know, kind of, you know, made sense of the situation to take that photo. Um, and that happened to me. I mean, I came across... Um, Carl on in, in Michigan, um, all banged up under a you know a tasty freeze in um, in Mackinac City, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we joked about it. You know, okay, now I've I've made sure you're all right, and we'll, uh, let's take the photo and you know stop the clock. Um, but in that, you know, I stayed with him until his son was able to load up the scooter, and you know other riders came through, and we you know we, he retold this story probably thirty times, and you know waved him on. So um, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and yeah, like you say, it's one, the next rider through doesn't know whether somebody stopped and it's legitimate to stop and ask to make sure. So, uh, the, my next story, uh, is we sort of touched on it in your intro. And that is that, uh, part of a winning strategy in cannonball is, um, looking at the route and options in advance. So I know some riders, spend a lot of time looking at the because the route's published of course in it well in advance and um you know the way it's set up is is you know the the bonus points bonus photos force us to the uh uh to the narrow windy roads in the in the dark nether regions of the country which is great that's that's the best thing about the the ride um, but at the same time, there's opportunities to save some time, sometimes on alternates. And sometimes those work out and sometimes they don't. So, you know, I, I probably spent uh, 30, 40 hours looking at the route and going over options of, hey, could I go here? And, you know, you never know when you're going to end up on a closed dirt road with a Brahma bull chasing you. But um, so this particular time, and I don't remember, you'll, again, you'll probably remember the day. It's like, seems like day four or something. Um, there was a, uh, there was a shortcut, uh, I 
forget if it was, I think it was just a shortcut that went around a city and it was on more of a highway. And so, uh, you know, anytime you can bypass a city, streetlights and stop signs on a highway, even if the highway's farther, that's generally a winning rule. So in this particular case, we were, as I say, JRA, just riding along, and we had this option to jump on the highway and do like a 10-mile bypass. And so when we get to the option to turn, it's it's an on-ramp, a curly cloverleaf on-ramp. Well, there's all these road closed signs, construction. And so I stop there and I, I'm thinking, God, you know, do I want to drag my wife down a road close sign and, and get a ticket and, you know, the whole nine yards. And so we're on intercom and I said, Hey, Julie, you know, I can see the highway down there and I can see we can make it. It's not like we're going through dirt roads or anything. And so I said on the intercom, Hey, uh, you know, what do you think? And she's like, do it. Not even no zero questions. So that's, that's one funny thing about Julie is, is she's quite the risk taker. Look who she married. But, um, so we we went down this illegal on-ramp yep. um, and got on it. And it was literally smooth sailing for 10 miles. And then I don't remember if you did that or not, but a number of riders didn't do it, although they had it as an option. Yeah. But they said, oh, they saw the sign. So, you know, Cannonball is sort of this hanging out sometimes. Obviously, sometimes speed limits are, you know, not followed exactly. And so that kind of thing was was really funny and fun because we, you know, ended up, it probably saved us at least 10 minutes. Oh, it definitely um, did. It, yeah, and, yeah. And it was funny because that was a true decision point of who are you and what are you willing to do and, and where are your boundaries? This literally road close sign became a test of your <laughs> stupidity, <laughs> stupidity, morality, legality, everything at once. Everything. And yeah. yeah I, and I did fun. not follow you though. I was, we were, we were actually together. We had this was on the our Ohio day trying to get from Pennsylvania into Michigan. And once you kind of hit that, it, everything melted out, but it was a lot of urban riding and, and they really yeah. by design when, when trying to figure out the route through there, it was like, okay, we had already done, you know, two days of kind of, you know, country roads through New York and, and, you know, New England. All right, now we're going to, you know, figure out, you know, strip malls and, and, and little towns again. And, uh, I was, I went by you as you were making that decision. Do you, do you go down and, yeah. and, I, you know, I, it's no, you know, I, my phone, like everyone else is mounted on the scooter and I'm pulling it up and, you know, we, we're all using the tracker. So it's, you know, like every 30 seconds, it's dinging up, yeah. you know, in the app, you know, where you're at. Yeah. And you guys were 10, you went, we went from together to you, you know, 10 minutes ahead within miles. It was, it, yeah. you know, I, it, agonizing, to agonizing. You and Doug did the same thing. He took your, he <laughs> came upon it old as dirt and, uh, he had no, no qualms about going down there and hopping on, uh, hopping on that bypass with, with zero traffic. Um, and I, I did not realize too, that it was just the on-ramp that was closed. Yes. It, I yes. thought the entire thing was, was just shut down, um, you know, for repavement or something. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of that over, you know, over 10 days, decisions that you have to make, you know, a yeah. lot of construction sites, um, and some good stories over the years, you know, Joel Hamilton in 2008, you know, had put on this big to do at a um, at a flag guy that he was late to to someone's wedding. He was the best man, or some story, <laughs> and the guy let him through, and he you know blazed through, <laughs> caught up with the with the pilot truck, the back end of the traffic, and um, you know there, there's a lot of that, and that's you know the the entire event is you know about you, you have to keep moving, you know, minimizing yes. stops, and 
you yes. know, you, you don't want to break the law and end up in, you know, in the pokey, but, um, you know, that's right. It's, right. It happens. Yeah, it, it does. And, and, you know, we touched on this briefly. We 2023 is coming up and, 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 and Hey, by the way, did I, did I stick to my word of riding as a tourist in 2021? I, I think you did. I mean, right. Cause I didn't ride. <laughs> it's a little shady. Anyway, but my point, the reason I asked that is because, uh, in 2023, I vowed that Julie and I will be tourists, um, and we'll see how that plays out. We're going to be well, we're going to be what we call competitive tourists, meaning we're going to just ride along, enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we might stop for ice cream here and there, but at the same time, we're not going to stop every day for a, a white tablecloth lunch. But I think if you know, if you just ride well, and you know, we won't do all the stuff we did this time in terms of you know everything won't be extreme but anyway so and probably the same for 2024 if we make it that long so all right so my last story you've heard um is 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 a strange deal so uh this was uh i think it's day nine we're on highway 50 out of austin uh nevada and that highway 50 the loneliest loneliest road in america or whatever it is um and using my term again, JRA, just riding along. So we're, you know, 50 has these long, long stretches of wide open throttle. And on an S-Max, you know, that's mid-70s, maybe, 70, 75. And, yep. and uh, so uh, we're going along. You know, it's been hours of this stuff. And we're in the middle of nowhere. And out of the corner of my right eye, I catch something. And this is all sagebrush you know, kind of semi-sagebrush open and no hills. I catch this thing and I look and probably 30 feet from the edge of the road, not very far, is a female, young female, just out there. Like no cars, no nothing. She's not dressed to be, you know, hiking. She's just nothing. And she's got this look of terror. Even though it's 30 feet, I can see there's something wrong. So I get on the intercom and I, Julie, did you see that? She goes, see what? I go, wow, there's this female and she just something looks wrong of course we're still riding we don't even crack the throttle off we're we're still going and i said you know i i just can't leave that and now remember we're riding together every mile i'm our her domestique i'm doing the navigation everything so we've never split up yet and she's kind of you know she's dependent on me in her mind she's used to <laughs> just because she's yeah you know been riding that way so um I said, no, I got to go back. I got, I got to make sure she's okay. So I, I give Julie instructions. Well, just ride. Don't miss the checkpoints and I'll try to catch you. Um, so I turn around and I go back and, and I ride up this girl and I say, you know, what's, what's going on? And, and she's kind of bewildered. She says, well, I'm lost. And I go, oh, what the hell? You know, I mean, how can you be lost? You're in the middle of nowhere. Like, how did you get here? Well, I, I, uh, I hiked. <laughs> okay, well, where from? There's no vehicles, no nothing anywhere. And she goes, I don't know. I go, oh, shit. So I, I'm trying to think of what to do. I, I didn't want to abandon her. Um, you know, she's very vulnerable out there. Uh, and so I said, well, hop on the scooter. And I, I don't know if Nevada's a helmet state or not. And I said, well, I'll talk my way out of it if a cop happens to show up. So uh we ride forward a little ways, the direction we're supposed to be going, and, and there's nothing. 
So I turn backwards and, and I, I see a gravel truck turning off the highway and I go, well, shit, if that gravel truck's turning, maybe there's something down there. So we ride backwards on the route for a half a mile, turn on this dirt road and way down at the end of the dirt road, I can see a little white speck and I go, well, maybe that's a vehicle. So now we're riding on dirt double and I'm with this young female of, you know, dubious, whatever. And, uh, we get closer and I said, yeah, no, I'm going to take a bet that that's it. So we get up to this, what's a van. And I said, is that your vehicle? She says, yeah. And all the doors are open on this vehicle, fully wide open, every single door. What the hell is going on here? And uh, there's camping gear all strewed around on, on the bushes and stuff. And I said, well, you know, what's going on? And she says, well, I just took a little hike and, and I, I got turned around and I got lost. And, and she was clearly in, in sort of, you know, distress. And so I said, well, okay, good luck. And, and then I started to ride away and I thought, well, you know, she's running from something. So I took a picture of her license plate and got her text phone. And then I said, Hey, I forgot her name. Uh, I said, Hey, Jane, can you use any money? And she, at that instant, she breaks out crying, bawling, like, ah! <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck, what, what is happening here? You know, and, I, and yeah. it, it never leaves my mind that Julie's pulling away at 70 miles an hour. And um, so I peel off like three or 400 bucks and said, hey, you know, good luck with that. And, and so then I take off and get back on 50 and I ride like 10 miles um, thinking, you know, doing the math, it's going to take me 70 miles to catch Julie, if that. And about 10 miles later, we, meaning, you know, well, actually, and I caught up with a few other riders too. And so we were riding together, sort of max out on 50. We come to this section that they had been, they did road work on, and it was no passing for like 40 miles. And I go, oh, you know, F me, I, that's just not going to work. Yeah. So I pull up, I keep going and pass a few vehicles and I come up behind a sheriff. I go, oh Jesus, you know, now what? Now, I mean, I can't go the speed limit. I mean, I can't go 55 out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Cause it was posted lower because they had worked on the road. They had graveled it or something. And, um, so I go, well, shit, let me, let me do something else. I'm worried about this girl. So I pull up next to this sheriff. Um, going, we're going like 60. I'm on a double yellow. I pull up next to him and I'm waving at him, pointing to go to the side of the road. And he turns on his lights and speeds off ahead of me. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? You know, and so uh, you know, he just yeah. rips off forward. I'm like, oh man, that's really weird. So now we go another 20 miles. I go, well, I, I, you know, I'm not going to try to pass him or anything. I just hang with it. Mm -hmm. We come into the town. I think it was uh, Eureka or something, Eureka, Nevada. But about five miles before town, another sheriff goes the opposite direction of us. And at the same time, my sheriff, who's in front of me, flashes his lights to the oncoming sheriff. And I go, oh, this isn't good. Uh -oh. You know, this is... This is going to go bad. Yep. So sure enough, I look in my mirror, the sheriff going the other way, does an immediate U-turn, turns on his lights. And I go, well, this is going to be a bad day. So he pulls me over on the side of 50 and I go, well, let me get my talking boots on. 
So I explained this story. Hey, you know, yeah, I shouldn't have pulled next to the guy, but I wanted to tell him about this abandoned girl and I'm real worried about her, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, okay, go. So it was literally a three, four minute conversation and I get on the road and, and uh, eventually, I don't know, I caught Julie probably 40 miles later. Um, but I just thought I'd share that weird story of Cannonball. I, and I did end up uh, texting the girl and saying, are you okay? And she said she was. So yeah. um, a day I, in the life of a weird can. And I didn't ask for credit for that because I'm a tourist. That There you go. So 2023, are you in, so you, so you're both tour, or competitive tourists. You, are you riding yes. together or is it you're both leaving yeah. and, and how the day goes, goes down is how it no. goes down? No, uh, we'll ride together. Right. I, I don't, for people who don't have intercoms and I, I've ridden decades without intercoms, but to get an intercom with a riding partner is a true thing of joy to be able to talk to your fellow riders and, and do that. And so riding with Julie is so much fun for me. We just love every minute of it. We've done some other long rides together, 2000 mile rides, um, just for pleasure. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, we will, we will stick together and be on probably on the same bikes. Oh, actually I said this on the forum. We got home and Julie's, S Max had what probably six thousand on it, and I sold it for the price I bought it for, and bought a brand new one with twenty three miles from a Buddhist monk for <laughs> uh, like five hundred dollars less than yep. the one I sold. So she's on a got a brand new S Max now. Brand new S Max. Um, strange, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So and then and yeah, we'll just take them one by one um, in terms of 2023, 2024. That sounds good. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have oh, a talk I, again, you know, with, as, as, with this series, you know, as we as we get closer, the the 2023 registration will open in June of next year, 2022. And, um, you know, some information on the route and other details um, should be out around, uh, you know, early of, of 2022. But, you know, as we get closer, you know, between now and, you know, registration, um, we'll continue to do the podcast with, you know, uh, riders from from 2021 and, and actually uh from from earlier events if you're interested in uh coming on uh, yeah. send, send an email but um when we get closer to 2023 we'll kind of pivot a little bit and uh dive into you know uh, some some topics and, and try to catch up some some new participants you know in the event uh explain yeah. a few topics and, and certainly have to have you back on i mean there's there's a, a wealth of information but also your your perspective on it and uh you know the rules and uh, you're, you're one of the few, you know, new riders that, you know, and, and, and return riders really that I think read the rules and try to, you know, understand them. Um, and, um, to the extent that you kind of know where there's some, some flexibility and, uh, and probably the reason why we have a few, uh, footnotes can be attributed to you, but. <laughs> oh, some, some ta the Taggart rules. Yeah, some Taggart rules. Not all of them, but there's a few. <laughs> some so. of them. Well, hey, I, I, yeah, if, you, if yeah. you can break them and then you can't, and you guys, it's up to you to fix them. Otherwise I'll keep breaking them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's uh, what I would say to people who don't know me or first time potential riders is it's a unbelievably great event from a, you know, a perspective of seeing the country and and the people are great and awesome and you know i will self-admit that i get pretty selfish when i'm riding it's just my nature and 
Uh, but it is very, so much camaraderie and fun and seeing the crazy stuff each night at the hotels. And uh, it, it's just a great event. But you do, you do have to have a certain amount of uh, fortitude and, and, you know, willingness to tolerate pain and rain and, and that. So, you know, it's, it's not a tourist ride for sure. Yeah. 2021 was, uh, I going into it, thought it was a little bit lighter and easier than 2018 and was, you know, as the, the planner of the event was, was surprised. Um, and, uh, the, the rough draft so far for 2023 is a, is a little kinder, um, eight days. Uh, the longest day is, uh, just over 400 miles, about 410 with the average day around 370. Um, so it'll be a, uh, I think a good year. Yeah, those are, yeah, those are training wheel rides the, compared to 2021. Yeah. We had three days in a row with over 500 miles or near 500. Yeah, very, very close. I mean, you to, to stay under, you would have had to uh, no wrong turns and, and probably a shortcut yes. too. It was it was. Yeah, yeah. I never yes. I never saw it. So. But uh, so so for those listening who, you know, I will admit that I am totally, you know, six sigma to the right of the bell curve as, uh, as a normal rider. I love sitting on my butt all day on a motorcycle. And that's, you know, that's not something most people either like or even can do. So don't, don't use my sense of joy as a, as a lead into thinking it's, you know, it's all fun. It's all fun for me. Um, as a ride, I love being on a motorcycle 12 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, use caution if you think that, that, um, you know, it, it's an easy thing or it's something you got, you do have to, you have to grit your teeth sometimes, but for me, like twenty-eight, every mile of the ride for me is just joy. But that's great. That's a weird thing for people to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want more punishment, you can always go, you know, with the with the smaller scooter. You know, it's it's. A, I could get a Harley. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. No. You know, I will admit that I, I do. My biggest fear is definitely the breakdowns, and and yeah. so I've been planned as much as I can to, to avoid breakdowns. A flat is okay, but breakdowns are not what you want to do in the middle of a country, and especially no. in these smaller, uh, more rural states. I mean, breaking down in South Dakota or wherever, whatever Dakota we went through Both. would no not be good. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if they have U-Hauls there, do they? So, sorry. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast. The, uh, yeah. the COVID's <laughs> impact on rental cars and logistics this year was, you know, was I think it caught everyone off guard. We you know just assumed that you could get one way rental cars or U-Hauls or you know other things, and we found out in a lot of these small towns, um, you know, not not so much. So yeah, definitely uh, definitely an upcoming uh, podcast on on just kind of the the planning of getting yourself you know from from your home yeah. to the start and back again, and and kind of what you know has worked for other people and. You know that that that's one that we should uh, we should definitely cover. You know, sometime absolutely because uh, that's sure. that's certainly the biggest apprehension for me. I think everybody is if you don't have a team, if you don't have other drivers and stuff, it's how do you deal with logistics of of getting machines to and from and parts to and from and support vehicles. That yeah. is that is really one of the most stress-inducing things of the entire event. Absolutely. And like they say, the hardest part is getting to the starting line. And there's a lot of truth to that in so many ways. Yeah, definitely. And, and 
2021 was was you know bar harbor was just up there enough to be a pain in the ass you know no matter Man. which way you're getting there so 2020 2023 will start uh southern california if you can't get to the start i don't <laughs> you, yeah you shouldn't start you shouldn't right? start if you can't get to the start you shouldn't yeah start. think yeah. kind of the la area and you know the finishes yeah is either going to be you know charleston or, or hilton head so uh kind of leaning towards yeah. hilton head it's a it's a the our options so far there kind of fit you know what people are looking for at the end of the event uh in terms of a uh, cold beer and uh you know a beach with sand and your scooter as close to the water as you can get so um, those details will come out in the spring, but, um, that's where we're headed and, um, that's where we're awesome. at. Looking forward to it. I, if we keep going here, uh, eight and a half more minutes, we'll be at an hour. So we better, yeah, we better, we better, yeah, start be better. thank you, Dave, for the, all the, uh, the time and talking with me and, and I hope somebody gets some entertainment value out of this. Yes. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. All, all right. right. Bye-bye.